change It's like my dreams out of reach This pain and all this grief If you see God and you have to speak Tell him it's crazy in these streets Feel my pain and you're so good You're on Pastor Phil Welcome to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Yo, we are here again. That's right. You got the right channel. Channel 154, Sirius XM, Holy Culture Radio at 9 a.m. Central Time, which is the only real time that really matters. I know in the clock on Eastern Time or whatever, but... This is the time that counts. And you're here with us. You are here with us. And we thank you for being here on this journey. This is, you know, Church on the Block, real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. And we got a great, great conversation today with some great friends of ours who are here and, and grateful that they're here to talk about a controversial issue. And, you know, we're not one to be intimidated by controversy. I think in our walk of faith as Christians, we believe that uh, the sacred and secular go together, right? That, that a baby is born between feces and urine, as uh, Cornell West said, right? And this beautiful child is born between oftentimes what people want to have, um, you know, want to segregate. But I I think in the midst of, of, of challenging Statements, conversations, uh, uh, things that people aren't saying is where real hope can, can can be found. I mean, I'm married 37 years, not because we tiptoe around my bogus stuff, because we dealt with it. We talked about it. We walked it through and we're better for it 37 years uh, later. And so this is what we want to make this show even more about around these particular topics. We have our great friends with us and we're going to have them introduce themselves. And then we're going to talk about what are we fit to talk about today on Church on the Block? But who's in the studio with us? I'm David Goldenberg. I'm the Midwest Regional Director for the Anti-Defamation League. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is in the building with us? Okay. Hi. My name is Rabbi Lizzie Heideman. I'm the I'm the founder of a community called Mishkan Chicago, which is a Jewish spiritual community located on the north side of Chicago. Um, awesome. And David, I feel like even even when you introduce yourself and say I'm I'm you know I do this for the Anti Defamation League, I wonder if people even know what the Anti Defamation League is. True, absolutely. True. So we're we are an anti hate organization. We were founded actually here in Chicago more than 110 years ago, back in 1913, with the mission to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. And our feeling is that you can't fight hate against one person uh, without mm. fighting hate against them all. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's good. And you, Rabbi, were at uh, London Community Church with the, with their music and the choir and y'all was rocking, y'all was singing. Yeah. yeah. And did Pastor Jay sing with y'all? Did Pastor Jay sing with y'all? I mean, I think so. <laughs> Even if I, we were, we were all, we were all up there on the same stage, but he's got a great, he's got a great team of yeah, spiritual yeah, music yeah, music yeah. makers so yeah. we all we all got to sing together it was great yeah, give him the mic he'll just go he'll, he'll go in he'll bring it all out bring it all out and who else who else in the studio it's pastor jay Can y'all hear me <laughs> oh wait what am i even talking about pastor pastor jay broke out broke out a song that he learned uh in the chicago children's choir in hebrew when he Ooh. was a kid um wow. and led the whole community in hine matovu manai Man, okay, <laughs> that's amazing. Bars, bars. <laughs> Pastor Jay's in the building with us, and yo, what's good? This your boy DJ Ruck is happy to be on the on the on the line with us today. And and man, it's been a minute. I know I had to take a little break just to handle some things, but I'm back. 
Yes, yes. In a new house, brand new house. It's like you don't have a new car smell. I got a new house smell. You walk in, it's a new house smell. Yeah, it's called Bills. <laughs> Mobiles. Mobiles, Mobiles, Mobiles. Man, well, I um, thank everybody for being on here. And, and, and we want to go right into it. You know, there's been a lot of controversy from what Kanye has said and what Kyrie has posted um, about anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish statements and, and creating a perpetual narrative of of rhetoric um, that has been hurtful and um, it's been obvious uh, in the media of uh, of the stance and the and the movement of what um, the Jewish community has said and come out against and others um, and and even economically how it's affected Kanye that this conversation day I want to like like behind the scenes through these great friends like what does that mean what, what, what when, when they're saying these phrases and these statements um, uh, what is what is what is that mean and how does that affect um, the Jewish community and educating us on uh, some history around um, um, the, the, the the hatred and the ten- and the tension that has been existing and has increased over the last you know a couple of years or so so when we talk about um, uh, the the heat that that that, that came or Maybe it wasn't um, new, but perpetuated from Kanye's statements, um, um, either Rabbi or David. What does that ripple into within the Jewish community? What I mean, I call I call some of my, my friends. I call Rabbi Steve. I call David. Like, you guys okay? What's what's going on? But what does that mean when when these statements happen and it, it and it ripples into the community so hard? You know, Pastor Phil. I, I first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with all of you and Pastor Jay and DJ Ruckus and Rabbi Lizzie. It is. Um, it's a really important conversation. And I also think that in just having this type of conversation, I think in many ways we're modeling the type mm. of behavior that I would hope people would would approach these types of issues with, right? Because I think these are tough conversations. These do require uh, the willingness to approach uh, tough subjects, assuming good intent. And being yeah. willing to right. hear things that may be difficult to hear on all sides. And right. I think, you know, Jews have been subjected to anti-Semitic tropes for not just years or decades, but literally centuries, if not longer. And and I think what really in these in these most recent incidents, I think there's a couple things. Number one, they were made by um individuals with uh, who are pretty high profile mm-hmm. right individuals with incredible followings and you know whether it be Kanye declaring it's time to go defcon 3 on the Jews and I can say any type of anti-semitism I want and you know X company can't do anything about it to the sharing of uh, a video or a movie that reinforces these types of anti-Semitic tropes, that reinforces the idea that Jews have no historical ties to their heritage, that reinforces the idea that um, the Holocaust did not ever happen, or that Jews played a major role in the transatlantic slave trade, right? That's what exists in, in the movie Hebrews to Negroes. And and I think those moments of how these individuals responded when they were made aware of the impact 
that their comments or that even just sharing this video had, I think really sort of placed even a greater light on it. And then, of course, on this part was layered with that, you know, we're facing a historic high in the number of anti-Semitic incidents that are occurring. I mean, in Illinois, just over the last five years, we've seen a 430% increase in anti-Semitic incidents, right? So we went from basically less than one per month on average to Mm -hmm. literally pretty much one, on average, one a week in the state of Illinois. And right. And so there's this dramatic increase of these high profile incidents um, that I think sit on the psyche. And so, um, you know, I I think that a lot of those things played out um, in this moment. Yeah. Rabbi. um, I'm so glad (laughs) to have, um, well, first of all, I'm glad to be here with you and humbled, I guess, because I I don't feel like uh, a spokesperson, like the authoritative spokesperson on this issue. I'm speaking as a rabbi, you know, a rabbi with a community um, where, you know, most of what I, most of what I see and hear is just from the folks in the community. And, um, and so I'm glad to have David here to provide all the stats and figures about the percentage increases and things like anti-Semitic incidents that we kind of know and feel are happening and we hear about happening. Um, I, I would, for me, um, the response is more of an emotional response, you know, and, a, mm-hmm. and I guess a sort of spiritual and, and, and historic response based in, you know, sort of the collective, the collective story of the Jewish people. So, um, the author Jonathan Safran Four says, Jews, whenever somebody pricks our finger, we don't just feel the stick of the finger prick. We feel that that pain and every other time throughout our memory that we've ever been pricked, you know, like mm-hmm. we remember, right? Like the, the childhood, you know, like the first time we were sewing or the first time we, you know, had any kind of an accident. And it just brings up, it triggers for us all of the other memories of whenever anything has happened that feels a little bit like this thing that we just heard or saw or was said about us. And so, you know, when a high profile figure like Yi, you know, posts something like, I want to go death, death con three on Jewish people. Um, you know, is he, is he in that moment doing a, you know, doing a physically violent thing to a person? No, he was making a tweet, but what that does, it recalls in the memory and body of every Jewish person, the fear and the knowledge that that kind of language has absolutely led to the, Mm. you know, the, the hurting, the persecution, the oppression, uh, the torture and the killing of Jews, Mm. um, you know, of millions and millions of Jews. Um, and, you know, and that's in recent enough memory that, you know, yesterday I was at the the memorial service of a a woman whose entire family was killed in the Holocaust. Like Mm. she and her nuclear family made it to America, but every uncle, cousin, you know, every, every member of her extended family died in death camps in Poland. Mm. Um, And that's, that is what comes up when we hear anti-Semitism, you know, in, in whatever way. Um, and so it might seem, it might seem to somebody disproportionate, like, okay, it's a tweet, you know, or it's somebody shared a video. I mean, is it really like so bad? But if you want to know why it feels so bad, it's because of all of that sort of the, the emotional story and the reality of, of violence that's been done to our people, um, that is always preceded by Mm. that kind of talk. Mm. Uh, thank you for that, especially to so Rabbi. And, and, and like you just said, you were, at a, you know, with uh, 
with some congregation members yesterday, right? And mm-hmm. the reality of that real-time experience with people uh, in the moment as a shepherd uh, over uh, your flock, you know, as we would say in that context. Uh, 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 Pastor Jay? I'm thankful that both of you are with us. Um, I'm interested in this collective kind of trauma you're talking about, Rabbi Lizzie and David, this sudden increase. Um, I'm wondering how you guys feel like the community, like the Jewish community, um, is going to be able to, um, like, care for themselves during this season? Like, what what would it look like for people to care for themselves well during a season where trauma and hatred are increasing? Um, and what are some things that you see happening in real time to kind of help people out during this season? Something that we talk about at Mishkan is that the most powerful response to anti-Semitism in the world, which is motivated by fear, you know, I think it's it's fear and ignorance, you know, people like not really knowing, you know, hearing things, hearing, you know, basically conspiracy theories and being, you know, the way conspiracy theories work is like you see little bits of evidence and then you say and then somebody connects those dots for you in some way that makes you go, oh, that's the big secret nefarious evil plot that's connecting all those dots. I get it. And you can point the finger in a direction and blame an entire people. And and that's sort of, you know, like when we talk about, quote, anti-Semitic tropes, that's sort of what they're playing into. Some idea that like, you know, Jews are some force behind the scenes controlling things, whether, you know, the banks or the media or government. And the way that we can best combat that or dispel that ignorance is by meeting people, by by being in relationship with people, by sharing Judaism in public ways that really just like show who we are and what we do. Um, and so over the summer, Mishkan had many services out in public spaces, you know, in public squares, like, you know, we set up our microphones and create, we created, you know, our Friday night service, not behind closed doors, behind a wall, you know, but outdoors in public spaces, really inviting people to know like, hello, we are Jewish people. This is what we do. This is what it looks like. Did we have security there? We did because like Jews feel nervous about doing exactly that in public ways. I actually remember once like boarding an airplane when I was a kid and I had been given uh, a little star of David for my bat mitzvah and I wanted to wear it on the airplane. And my dad, whose parents are both German refugees, like they, they both, you know, grew up in Germany till they were teenagers. And he said, um, just stick that under your shirt. Okay. There's no reason for anybody to know that you're Jewish here, you know? And, um, that like, that's, that sense of like, just hide it. Well, you know, if you can pass, just pass, don't, you know, don't wear your Judaism to, you know, on the surface. And I, I think like that hurts us at the end of the day, because we're normal people. <laughs> like we're normal people. We have some successful people. We have some people who are not successful. You know, we, we have some people who have made money. We have plenty of people who are below the poverty line too. You know, um, we have people who have done well in Hollywood and plenty of my very own friends who have not done well in Hollywood and, you know, went back to grad school and became English teachers, you know? Um, and so I think the best thing we can do is actually just be in relationship with, uh, whoever it is that feels like they don't know us and are maybe a little scared of us and think of us as an us or a them, you know, that, that has, you know, that's different in some way. We're all just people. Let me, let me, 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead, David, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, let me just add a little bit, is that um, what the, the thing about anti-Semitism is it's not just about hatred toward Jews, right? There's often a conspiratorial element mm. to it as well, right? So um, that the Jews have too much power and control, that um, – that they're more loyal to Israel than they are to their home country, right? These charges of dual loyalty and a whole mm. host of things that have sort of existed mm. for, for quite, you know, for quite some time. And, you know, after the shooting in Buffalo, um, Karen Freeman Wilson, who's the head of the Chicago Urban League and I, and the, and the Urban League up in the Twin Cities and then LULAC um, here in Chicago, we convened at the time it was virtual an anti-hate table conversation. And we had mm. representatives from pretty much about every community you can imagine um, mm. and probably more than 40 people. And we asked the question, um, what are you most concerned about? And to mm. a T, every single community, it didn't matter if you were Jewish, black, brown, Asian, gay, you know, Hindu, Sikh, it just didn't matter. Every single person said, my community could be next. Wow. Right. And – then what we did was we asked about – we asked everybody too then is what can my community do to support your community? And I think – you know, so, so when you're talking about how do you get through this moment, I think it's really important to ask somebody how can I show up for you, right? Mm -hmm. We all think that we're showing up and we're doing the right thing um, you know, within the community. I would say that, um, you know, there's going to be anxiety within the Jewish community. There will continue to be anxiety within the Jewish community. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think that that's necessarily unique in the Jewish community, given the times that we live in right now. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I do think, though, that um, how you show up for someone and finding out how they need you to show up is really important. True. We'll be right back. Church on the Block. You're listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM 154. Come right back. We got more in store. Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Welcome back, Church on the Block. We are here with a great conversation with my good friend, um, David Goldenberg and Rabbi Lizzie. Uh, and I just say Rabbi Lizzie, is that how it's always Rabbi Lizzie? Sure. Yeah. Heideman is my last name, but Heidemann. yes, people call Okay. I want to respect, I want to respect, I want to respect, uh, uh, Rabbi Lizzie Heideman and with our great host, uh, uh, DJ Ruckus and Pastor Jay getting that Wi-Fi from the South side. So we'll, you'll get in when, whenever they, they turn left off the buses and the bus <laughs> signal bounces off of the metal. But uh, DJ Ruckus, you had a, a, a conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Ruckus. So, so yeah, I, I have a question. So, you know, David, you mentioned the, the documentary, uh, Hebrews to Negroes. Uh, first, first part of it, have either one of you had the opportunity to watch it? I have. Okay. So we're going through or an era right now where black people or African-Americans and maybe even uh, the, the brown community feel like they're being awakened to some some new information about identities, right? Um, and, and then Kyrie goes out there and he shares this documentary and it becomes a, a talking piece for, for the communities to talk about. And I guess since he 
the big deal got made about it, it gave it even more publicity than what, you know, some people right. may have wanted. Uh, they probably would have ignored it if it wasn't such a, uh, a lot of publicity going around Kyrie. So I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts about some of the things in there um, that it referenced about maybe the lost tribes and the color of people and who the Jews are. This is the stuff that I guess I feel more dialogue needs to happen around. I don't know what you got for me. Yeah. So I look, I think that I don't pretend to be a scholar of all of these things, right? I, I'm not a scholar on black history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even a scholar on Jewish history, but but I, I, I do know enough. I feel like I can have a good conversation about it. But what I can talk about, though, is that there is a difference between what I consider to be misinformation and disinformation. And I think that there are a lot of things about identities and histories that are always important, right, when new information becomes available, Right. And I, I do think, though, that in watching this documentary, what continued to be reinforced is that, you know, these tropes of Jewish power and control and greed and this denying of sort of of historical connections to Israel, for example, um, and that, you know, Jews control the media and all these tropes that continue to be woven in. And I think, um, you know, James Brown, the football commentator, if you saw from CBS a couple weeks ago, talked about, you know, the conscious denial of the Holocaust is as if we're denying, you know, it is as, you know, I'm using, I'm paraphrasing reprehensible as denying lynching and slavery occurred too. Right. And, right. and I think that the end of the day is that like, they all occurred, right? right? And they were all travesties, mm-hmm. and they were all crises, right. and they and and it doesn't have to be either or, right. and um, and so I think that that interwoving of those tropes within that documentary is perhaps what I what I found to be incredibly problematic. Now, here's the thing, though, is that there have been plenty of individuals with large platforms who have shared something, who have tweeted something out and said, look, I had what we at education, ADL and ADL's education programs like to call an oops moment. Right. Like, and I, I'm now realizing the impact of what I did. It was not the intent, but it was the impact that it had. And I want to learn and understand. And that wasn't the reaction, I think. And, and that is perhaps what I, what I find, what, what I was personally most concerned about um, is that when given the opportunity to say, you know, I, I didn't realize the impact, it felt like sort of a, a doubling down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Could I could I just say something? Yeah. yeah. Riffing off of what David was just talking about with like black history in America is is fraught with, uh, you know, I mean, uh, like op- oppression is like not strong enough of a word. And Jewish yep. history and Jewish history is as well. But from the moment that Jews arrived in America, um, as, especially European Jews um, with white skin, there was a way in which America um, was a place that Jews could see as a place we could flourish in a way that Jews had not in other places where we were second or third class citizens. 
And so I guess it would appear, oh, look, in America, you know, Jews were recipients of like the GI Bill, for example, in a way that like black veterans who came back after fighting in World War II mm. for the United States, like Jews, Jews received benefits that black Americans didn't. That is not fair. And and so I think what that may look like to some is like, and look, Jews are therefore, you know, just uh, mm. sort of a indistinguishable from the rest of white Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I can see that. And there, there are ways in which that's true that, you know, that, um, that white privilege, first of all, not all Jews are white, um, which I think is very important to recognize here. Like Judaism, it's a sort of inherently intersectional identity there. I mean, there are many one, I think I, I haven't seen this movie, but, um, but like among the among the many Africans who came over on slave ships were people who practiced many different religions, probably including Islam and probably including Judaism. Um, right. Like Jews are black, white, Asian, you know, every every, every nationality and ethnicity. Um, and so to sort of um, juxtapose black, black and Jewish as if it's black and white. And mm -hmm. it's that that is uh, reductionist and actually false. It's false. Um, and it's sort of it, it's an oversimplification that's also dangerous and not true. And the truth is, at the end of the day, both both Jews and um, and black Americans are targets of white Christian nationalism. <laughs> like we have a common we have like a, a common uh you know, the, the common denominator here is right. um, is a kind of white supremacy that that really doesn't like either of us, um, you know, and sort of paints Jews as, you know, one nefarious force and African-Americans and other minorities as another, you know, dangerous force. And, and like mm -hmm. we we should be working together to undermine all of those stereotypes because all of them are dangerous. Hey, can yeah. I maybe throw in something too? like, right. So a couple of weeks ago me a week and a half ago, we saw the city of Chicago came out and talking about hate crimes mm -hmm. and the dramatic increase targeting members of the black and Jewish communities. Yeah. And somebody asked me what I thought about it. I'm like, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Right. Because the overwhelming majority of hate crimes in the United States are committed against members of the black community. And the overwhelming majority of religion based hate crimes target members of the Jewish community. But when you look at that number, Blacks continue to be, members of the black community continue to be targeted well over 50% of all hate crimes in the entire country, right? Mm -hmm. And so for, for Jews to talk about, for Jews to talk to members of the black community about being targeted because of who they are, you know, that's, that's not fair. And I, but I also think that there's, um, there, there's a, there's, there's a lot of connections, um, from which that we can, you know, from which we can, um, grasp at and to, to find that commonality, unfortunately. One mm -hmm. thing that's also not fair is that our former president Trump has said things publicly and tweeted that are equally um, anti-Semitic um, right. playing, playing off of, you know, tropes of exactly the, the word tropes is so funny. I feel like it only ever gets used when talking about anti-Semitic tropes. Um, <laughs> quote, I'm, I'm using air quotes around that. But, you know, um, like playing off of these ideas that, you know, the Jewish people all should vote one way or that loyalty looks like this and that they they are not loyal if they don't do this. And they and um, and he is not censured 
by his party or this country. He hasn't like lost his contracts with, you know, so I think that there is an interesting (laughs) unfairness in, you know, the, the sort of uh, public, um, the, the public, it's not accountability maybe is the best word. I was like the accountability, um, you know, that Kyrie Irving and, um, and Yee and like Whoopi Goldberg, you know, are being held to when like there are very powerful white people, um, who are not quite often held to those same, Mm. um, to account in the same way. The racism of Tucker Carlson, those types of things, right. And continue to profit off of hate. Yeah. 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 The, the conversation, uh, Ruckus, that you, the, the point of you bringing that up, uh, uh, was there some more thoughts you had around that? Yeah. You know, um, one, I want, I want to say thank you both for, for responding to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of like what you were saying, uh, Rabbi Lizzie, there, there was this white supremacy or, the, you know, I, I call it a whitewashing of history. Um, and my my frustration is probably more around the fact that because there was a whitewash in history, now we have African-Americans and everyone else running around trying to figure out who they really are. And we don't know what's true and what to believe. And so I feel like that's the part, you know, so when I hear stuff about the 12, the 12 tribes and they start showing maps and, 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 and things like that, and then we read scriptures that, that, point to what a color of a person may look like in the Bible, then, you know, African-Americans are, you know, we're grasping for identity and for hysterical uh, presence in, in the Bible and in history that we feel could have been robbed for us. And there's nobody really with a bigger voice or historians or, or that I have heard that is, that are standing up and saying, Hey, you're right. You're wrong. I feel like there needs to be some dialogue around this, you know, because it's not going to go away. It seems to be getting stronger and stronger. You have groups like the IUIC that are showing up with purple robes and they're very appealing to African-Americans and brown communities right now when they as they yeah. see these guys and like, hey, we're going to show you, give you a sense of who you are. Come follow us. You know, so I don't know what, what your response is to to that statement. Like this feeling of authenticity. That's yeah. like the, 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 the true and the original claiming of this thing that those people say they have, but like those people are just, you know, just white people that usurped our true identity. Right. Is that, is that basically right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm, I want to, I, I'm quoting a black Orthodox rabbi named Shai Rishon. Chase Rishon. Um, but he, he talks about this question, um, like black people being the original Hebrews. And he says, well, first of all, like, what do you, what do you mean by black Indians, Australian Aboriginals, native tribes, black Americans, like all contain the same shades of skin. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sort of phenotypically, like they're indistinguishable from each other. So we're like the original Hebrews, Black, quite possibly, but African, like from the African continent? Right. No, actually, like definitionally, the word Hebrew, Ivri in the Hebrew language, means from um, the other side of the Euphrates River in relation to, you know, in in relation to like Euphrates River Mm -hmm. um, and Africa. So meaning Israel, Canaan, Palestine, that area right there. 
as distinguished from, say, like Egypt, um, Mesopotamia, Iraq, you know, just different places. Um, and so like, yes, sure. Like, let's look at maps and things, but it's not, you know, they're, they're different, different locales and that Ivri refers to the other side of the Euphrates river, which is to say Israel, Canaan, Palestine, but like, honestly, also it sort of feels to me like the, that sort of grasping at ancient, ancient history, which truthfully, I mean, to some extent, nobody really knows. We don't have history books. We have, you know, the Bible, um, which, which even Jewish commentary writers will say, don't, you know, don't read the Bible like Genesis as history, read it as, um, you know, trying to communicate very important spiritual ideas. But if it were supposed to be history, you know, like, the seven days of creation, like you would have said things really differently, put them in a different order, given more, like, don't read it as history. Because once you start doing that, once you start reading or attempting to read historical fact into these like mythic books. And when I say mythic, I don't mean it in a negative, you know, diminishing way. I mean it in, in the way that like Greek mythology and Jewish mythology, Christian mythology, biblical mythology is very powerful, but it's spiritually powerful. And when we start trying to, um, I, I actually think it makes it smaller when you start trying to say, ah, and this is where I get my legitimacy, not you, you know, then it's actually doing the opposite of what the Bible is trying to do in its very first chapters, which is establish all humanity all humanity as being inherently connected and coming from the very same, the, you know, the, the very same original human being, like all of us together, d- divine image, everybody, nobody more legitimate or authentic than another. Teach yeah. Rabbi Lizzie, yeah. teach. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be right back with this conversation, man. This is exciting. This is good. This is bold. Church on the Block. We'll be right back with Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Come back with us. Welcome back to Church on the Block. We've been talking about what has been talked about um, all over the place, but really talked at. Not only has it been talked about, like, like we're doing tonight, you know? And so really um, trying to talk about these controversies that have been uh, out there with uh, what Kanye's statements are, Ky- what Kyrie posted. Um, and we're really now on this section here, want to talk about how can we build some bridges? I mean, in, in, in ways that we're doing now, but like, what would you suggest and, and, and Ruckus and, and Pastor Jay and, 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 and um, Rabbi and David that would be, you know, um, um, unique to do or uh, whether some readings, uh, uh, other things and and really create a way where we can create the kind of world we want to have. Right. Versus it being just <laughs> adopted to the latest fad or the latest kind of hype of, of something. Um, but what are some things that we could do to bring about healing um, to both the Jewish community, African-American community around this or, or around this, um, the, these anti-Semitic messages? Anything, any, anybody, anybody want to so, comment? Look, I would just say that I think that there's an incredible amount of um, misinformation and disinformation that's out there. And I just think that there's, there's a lot of learning to be done um, kind of across the board. And I, and I, and I do think that, you know, some of those learning, some of that learning can occur through shared experiences, right? It occurs during difficult conversations like we're having right now. Um, You know, I, I had the opportunity to go down to Selma and Montgomery earlier this year Hmm. um, and to, to explore more into black history. 
um, in the United States. And I've also, by the way, been to Israel with predominantly black groups, mm. uh, none of whom were Jewish. Right. And to learn and experience um, that piece of it, because I think that those are usually, you know, some of the things that uh, those shared experiences create opportunities for tough conversations. But not everybody, you know, but we don't need to go there um, to understand those things. Right. I think that these types of conversations are are frankly incredibly important and and also create environments in which people can can frankly really ask questions and know mm-hmm. that it's a safe space to ask those questions without feeling like they had to hold back or that they say it politically correct. Um, but really that, as I said, at the, at, at the top of the show, the idea of assuming good intent, yeah. right? Because, because that's, I think what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple things occur to me. One, I mean, reinforcing everything that David said. And earlier earlier this year, members of Mishkan went down to Pastor Jay's church in Lawndale, Lawndale Christian Community Church. And I spoke and he spoke and we all sang. And then we all sat in a circle and talked about the history of the neighborhood and mm. the history of that particular neighborhood. It's right. like once upon a time, it was, you know, almost, it was like 110,000 people, a hundred thousand of whom were Jewish. Right. And then, right. um, and then the vast majority of those Jewish people, as Black Americans started to move in, and as and as Jews be, became, you know, sort of upwardly mobile, they picked up and they left and they moved to the suburbs, um, you know, like and 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 left a lot of hurt, you know, in their wake and misunderstanding and like what and. And our going there was the beginning of trying right. to both understand this, examine it, and make some tikkun repair in the, you know, like, mm. it, it wasn't me that left. I'm I'm here. And, it, you know, Pastor Jay wasn't in the neighborhood way back then, but he's here now. And so, yeah. like, what can we do here now to come to know one another in the way that I really, really wish that so many of our grandparents had actually stuck around to get to know, you wow. know, the grandparents yeah. of the folks who are growing up in the neighborhood now. And like that, that's the beginning. That's like us visiting the church, having, you know, having a conversation, going for a walk around the neighborhood was like the beginning of a process that needs to be months and years, you know, in which like the kids in our community get to know the kids in Pastor Jay's community. And it is painstaking and personal and Mm. we don't live in the same neighborhood, you know, and there's like divides to cross and those divides you know, are, are geographic, but they're also in terms of what we're talking about today, the media content we consume and what we assume about the world or what we learn about who we are, or who they are, the quote unquote, they, and like having real people to unpack that with and real people to be like, I heard this. Is that true? Like, and, and actually, you know, talk about it. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking about is, uh, somebody wrote to me earlier today, uh, saying that, um, they have had a, an anti-racism book group, like a, a group of Mishkan people, you know, out of the 2020, um, I would say like awakening, you know, across the country that especially among white people, like, oh my goodness, there's so much we need to learn about racism in America. And, you know, the phenomenon of like book groups cropping <laughs> up everywhere. And so she wrote to me and she said, you know, since 2020, me and me and my people at Mishkan have been like in an anti-racism book group. I wonder if we could p- partner with some folks at Longdale and read a book together, you know? And so Pastor Jay, I'm like, 
I've been meaning to email you um, because I think these kinds of learning experiences, we don't have to have separate and silos. We can have them together um, and create, you know, like what we're doing here in this radio show, um, create more spaces for, you know, we, we have the technology for it. We could do it. It's not hard. We just have to decide we want to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think doing the hard work um, is uh, what we're called to do. Like we have to be able to recognize it, especially as people of faith, that God is in the midst of all of this. It's bigger than us. And to do that hard work means that I'm stepping into a space that God's going to work this thing out. I'm going to be faithful, open and honest and sincere and in hopes, like, like you said, David, with good intent that, oh, they're trying to understand, seek to understand before being understood, right? And being able to understand enough to say, wow, that question was asked. It's like being in a classroom and, and the teacher said, let me finish explaining first. And then, okay, now I understand before I ask all these questions. So, and then you can ask even more, more insightful questions because you have a, some least a little clarity, but, the boldness to do that. And I get it. I get it in some regards. African-Americans have been hurt, harmed, all kind of stuff. And if one generation felt like the other generation didn't do enough, then they're going to come with the foo-fop. Oh, we got to come with that. I saw somebody, uh, this ain't my grandmama's uh, civil rights movement. I'll kick your ass. That's what it said, right? And so it was like, it was like, um, that's sometimes an attitude that folks have in African American community because we're not gonna, we're not going, we're not gonna go. Well, I'm not gonna go for it. And yet, um, oftentimes that brings even, <laughs> even more harm in some regard. And I think oftentimes that we talk about this at one show, I think there has not been an appreciation of black rage, black anger in order to bring about, uh, some healing. Uh, DJ Ruckus. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make sure we get Jay thoughts out there as he's having technical difficulties. Yeah. He's typed them. So he says one, we have to make sure we build genuine relationships with one another so that we can have yes. dialogue relationally rather than quoting facts at each other that may or may not be true. And, wow. and then two, second, he said, we have to make sure we don't spend our time focusing on dialogue that divides us in order to prove what we believe to, to be true. It does not mean that we have to make what someone else believes wrong. This black and white, mm -hmm. apples and oranges way of thinking is harmful. We need to truly have more of a yes and a way of thinking. And one more. Three, he said, lastly, we have to make sure that hatred never leads our conversation, where there is a journey of self-discovery and understanding the history or culture of someone else. The goal is to lead with love and do our best to move closer to one another. I really wrote it, and yeah. I put his name on it. I wrote all of that. <laughs> yes, and me too. Uh, I would. Man, I just like. I mean, you know, Pastor, like that. Like Pastor Jay, that, that's just so powerful. And I also think yeah. that it is just so much harder today to do some of that when we think about the silos that we all live in. When we think about like our social media channels and we think about like things like how technology has changed the way we communicate, but also at the same time, it isolates us usually from views that, that are, um, you know, different than the ones we already have. So I really yeah. appreciate you that, uh, Pastor Jay, that the stuff that you talked, what you talked about is that the idea of like 
oh, I can prove, you know, I can prove what I already think, right? And I can prove right. you wrong because all you got to do is pull up one of your social media channels and there's these fancy things called algorithms that just continue <laughs> to feed you to reinforce a view that you may already have. And just, I just want to <laughs> underscore like how hard and how deliberate we have to be in, in carrying this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But this is awesome. This is, this is what we need to be about as, as, as human beings to be better human beings. And, and, and as we are human beings who, who walk um, by faith, um, that, that guides us and directs us, there should be a stronger testimony of that type of work. There's stronger kind of boldness to be examples to be uh, a sounding board. When somebody says something crazy or says something that's questionable or says something that's like, I'm a, I think I'm gonna believe that, but wait a minute, there's a whole group of people that are uh, uh, living in, in love and in, and in kindness and are engaging each other like this. What I'm hearing over here doesn't look like that, right? And that's the that's the hard work that we we must do. So, mm-hmm. I want to thank you both for being on the show. I am grateful for um, man this dialogue and like you say, Dave, we want to keep this dialogue going. And um, you know, and, and maybe there's some things that. We didn't talk about that. Some questions that you guys have with the African-American community we want to bring out, right? And talk about how we can begin to have have some real dialogue about that. But I think this is the path. And I think those who are listening, dive into these realities, what Pastor Jay just said. Don't just let um, the dialogue be um, your decision. He said something that was a bar. That was some some dope, the the dialogue that divides. Don't let that be the dialogue that divides. Be bold enough to pursue what area is going to bring that unity. Fight for that unity. Fight for that effort to be one with each other. Thank you, David. Thank you, Rabbi. Um, Thank you, uh, Pastor Jay and, and, and Ruckus. Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church in the streets, man. We're here with some great information, great insight, great love. Stay with us. Stay with us. And um, walk that way. Time to drop bars. Yo, these big old muscular mugs went to Africa. And they were on this tour. And as they were on this tour, these mugs were like muscle men. They were just cut up. Big old, they had those skimpy little tank tops they wear with all their chests out. Uh, the king was showing them all around, showing them his kingdom and his village. And um, every once in a while, the king would turn around and say, man, you know, what do you, what do you do those muscles for? And these boys would flex. They would flex and do this and back muscles and sad muscles and toenail muscles. And they were just breaking all the way down. The king would be like, ah, oh, okay, all right, that's what you do with those muscles. And then he would go to another part and curiosity would get him and say, what do you do with those muscles? And they would flex again, right? They baby oil on them or whatever they can, they were flexing, right? And he did this all throughout the time. He's showing them the kingdom. And in, in the last one, he said, now show me now, what do, you, what do you do with these muscles? And they flexed again. And the king said, man, what a waste. If all we do with these muscles you have is to show and tell, to just show them off. This is what happens, y'all, when we have great muscles of faith, whether in the Jewish community or in the African-American community of faith, Christian, we just shine and we just flex it, but we never really exercise in those muscles. And doing the hard work, challenging the mindset that's out there to be one, to be unified, and to be the people that God called us to be. You're on Pastor Phil, Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church in the streets. We'll see you next week. Holla at your boy. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. We're back here, same time, same day, next week. Come with us. Tell them it's crazy in these streets. Tell them it's crazy.